often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 589. I am your host, Josh Albrecht, recording once again inside the Slapbox Penthouse. A trusty sidekick, Agent Fox Mulder, is laying on the couch behind me, trying to figure out where Scully is. <laughs> Still don't know where Dana Scully is. Uh, yes, we're in December, 1st of December, uh, well, I mean, it's the 2nd of December I'm recording this, but this is the first one in December that I'm recording this year. Uh, yes, and, uh, there we go, I had to put the stuff down, it was ending, the music was ending. And, uh, this is the first podcast I've recorded since Henry Kissinger is fucking dead. <laughs> Yeah, hundred years took a hundred years for that uh, person to die. <laughs> Bastard! I don't know what you want to call him. I mean, war criminal. Uh, it's kind of sad for Shane McGowan to be overshadowed upon dying by uh, Henry Kissinger. Um, Shane McGowan, the uh, legendary Shane McGowan. From the Pogues, the Irish punk band, of course, that, uh, <clears throat> if you're unfamiliar with Shane McGowan, I don't believe that guy ever had a sober day of life. Like, I'm pretty sure he was a drunk but by a fairly early age. And, uh, by the time, like, the Pogues came around, like, his teeth were already, like, rough, man rough which you know is a british trade i don't know that it's necessarily an irish trade but uh he was uh the man was a legend a legend um probably the most uh see uh, famous song that he's known for in the pogues of course he was the front man of the pogues uh uh, damn it there's a Christmas song <laughs> I, I never got that into that I like some Pogues um, but uh, let's see here where's the uh, singles here. here's the singles um, do 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 <laughs> a single called The Woman's uh, Fairy Tale of New York is the uh Christmas song that uh, I guess is their more well-known song. Um, a lot of the songs they did were like traditional Irish songs that they basically redid in their style. That's kind of like a common thing I think with most Irish bands, though, is they'll do a lot of traditional uh, Irish songs. It's passed down a lot. Um, uh, but but go through on there, their singles. I mean, if you've ever partied on St. Patrick's Day, there's a good chance you've heard of the Pogues. Uh, 
there's the if I should fall from the gra- from grace with God. That's a classic. Uh, oh, that's the album. Uh, but uh, there's a there's a, a song, there's a title track of that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Shane also did an album with uh, Sinead O'Connor, which has got some good stuff on there. But uh, <laughs> in interviews after the fact, he said he never liked Sinead. Uh, I'm gonna have to pull up some interviews with Shane McGowan because uh, t- just to get a you know if you're unfamiliar to give the a little bit of the old Shane McGowan feeling because he was drunk pretty much all the fucking time. Let's see what Wikipedia has to say about him here. Shane Patrick Lysett McGowan, uh, born December 25th, 1957. So he he missed his last. He almost had one more birthday. Uh, he was an English-born Irish musician, best known as the co-founder, lead vocalist, and songwriter. And I don't know why I'm talking <laughs> an Irish accent. Uh, songwriter of Celtic punk band The Pogues. McGowan's songs were influenced by Irish history, Irish nationalism, and uh, well, the Irish dis- diaspora and uh, London life. Born in Kent, England to Irish parents, McGowan spent his early childhood in Tipperary, before returning to England age six and a half, he attended public school but was expelled from Westminster School at 16 for possession of drugs and subsequently joined the punk band The Nipple Erectors in 1977. Oh, uh, yeah, The Nipple Erectors. The, that's the year that Shelley was born and, uh, of course, Star Wars hit the theaters. In 82, a uh, year after I was born, he co-founded The Pogues which fused punk with influences from traditional Irish Irish music. His songwriting and vocals appear on the band's first five studio albums released between 84 and 90, of which the critically acclaimed If I Should Fall From The Grace With God was the most commercially successful. He co-wrote Fairy Tale of New York and recorded it as a duet with Christy McCall. The song has become a perennial Christmas favorite during a 91 tour, McGowan was dismissed from the Pogues for behavior, behavior relating to his alcohol dependency. His subsequently formed, he subsequently formed a new band, Shane McGowan and the Popes, <laughs> with which he recorded two studio albums. In 2001, McGowan rejoined the Pogues for reunion shows, remaining with the group until it dissolved in 2014. He also produced solo material and collaborated with artists such as Joe Strummer, Nick Cave, Steve Earle, Sinead O'Connor, and Ronnie Drew. He received a 2018 Ivor Novello uh, Inspiration Award and Lifetime Achievement Award. Following years of deteriorating health, McGowan died of pneumonia uh, in November of 23, aged 65. The president of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, paid tribute calling him one of music's greatest lyricists. Uh, as uh, yeah, he was <laughs> the nipple directors. I I I may have known about the nipple directors, but I'm thinking I didn't know about the nipple directors. We I mean, I knew about about the Pogues, but I don't think I was familiar with the nipple directors. That is uh, that is a first. I wonder if they had any recordings. The the nipple directors. Is uh, it should be noted. That uh, the Pogue's original name was uh, Pogue Mahon, which apparently means suck my dick if I remember correctly. <laughs> it's uh, or kiss my ass. 
my arse is what it means. Kiss my arse. That's according to Wikipedia. I thought it was like suck my dick, basically. Pogmahon, which is an anglicization of the Irish Gaelic phrase Pogmahon. Pogmahon. Kiss, kiss my arse. That's fine. All right. I should probably find just a crazy interview. And basically, you're just going to, I mean, if I pull up an interview with Shane McGowan, you're just going to hear a drunk guy. I mean, I've heard he was a nice guy, but I do believe, you know, he got into some fights and stuff, you know, since he was like 24-7 drunk. Shane McGowan. Oh, yeah. Let's see here. Damn it. Uh, this laptop's not working out for me here. She's being a bit of a bitch. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. <laughs> uh, do, do Shane McGowan interview. Do, 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 that's so. They're all pretty old interviews. Uh, da, da, da. Well, I mean... Very drunk interview. Maybe I don't want that. <laughs> then you're just not going to understand things. Uh, Do-do-do. There's... I mean, he looks drunk in most of these. It's... uh, Damn it. I don't want, like, an hour-long interview. As, uh, oh, there's a picture of him with Sinead O'Connor, which... <laughs> Just like a, a headshot of both of them, like side by side. And Shane, man, his fucking teeth look so horrendous. And then Sinead actually looks pretty fucking hot here. She looks fantastic. And then, like, you <laughs> look over, and then there's Shane McGowan with his just fucking gnarled teeth. Guy lived a hell of a life. Uh, let's see here. I want to find, like, an interesting one. But I also don't <laughs> want, uh, you know, really long one. Here's a, here's a drunken interview. We'll just give that. There's there's some uh, <laughs> clearly drunk interview. As this uh, laptop's not wanting to work with me here. As, uh, I know I've had issues with this cord, too. Let's see what happens here. Well, that's him singing. Dirt doing dirty old town. That's a good one. <laughs> Get the interview. Come on. You know, he's he's walking off stage. Stumbling off stage might be more appropriate. Oh, I think I saw this one the other day. This one's... He's just clearly very... Very intoxicated and not happy. He seems very angry. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Shane. My name is Luke. Pleased to meet you. Great concert. You can sit down. Okay. I don't want to sit down. You want to do the interview standing up? Yeah. Okay. Well, how is it with you? Fine. Fine. I sat up. Well... I had the ability not to suck. Really? I remember this we boy sucked when, when I was 15. I had a good haircut, no beard, 
Oh, belly. I have a belly. Oh, dude's taking, showing his belly off there. To be born in Ireland? Yeah. You're proud I'm to be Irish on press, we are. He's just yeah. really drunk Why? here. Why? Because <laughs> they're the master, right? Why are you proud? <laughs> he just said to the Ireland. Ireland's the master race. That's that's when you know you're you're either I mean you're either a white supremacist or you're really drunk. I think he's he's just really drunk. I don't think he was Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. That he wasn't uh Really seriously believe that, but all right. Uh, here's a thing on the Telegraph. uk. When Shane McGowan trolled Bono and ten funny sad stories about the Pogues frontman. He loved flashing passersby, hated his most famous song, and once made a reality show about his vegetable patch. But what else? I'd kind of like to see this thing about his vegetable patch. Oh, what the fuck? I can't... Oh, it won't let me actually read the article. Because I'm not a member. I'm not... Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm not reading your article. <laughs> oh, I might be able to look at it on Yahoo. Here we go. Oh, I can read it on Yahoo. I f- yeah, fuck you, Telegraph. <laughs> see here. I only met the late... Let's see, who wrote this? Alexander Larman wrote this. So he says, uh, I only met the late Shane McGowan once in 2005. I was in the infamous Calony Club in Soho in the company of the equally late dandy and artist Sebastian Horsley. Horsley introduced me to his friend Shane, who gave me a look of staggering disinterest and boredom. Lost for anything more interesting or original to say, I stammered to the Pogue's front man. I'm terribly sorry. Your chair seems to be on my coat. (laughs) McGowan's expression did not alter, but he grudgingly adjusted his seat and I escaped from our brief encounter unscathed. My experience with the troubadour, songwriter, and iconoclast was one of the least memorable that I imagine that McGowan ever had over the course of his 65 years on this planet. He met and was fated uh, by everyone from uh, Jerry Adams to Kate Moss. It was a testament to how beloved he was by his fellow musicians that none other than Bruce Springsteen visited him in his Dublin home in May, and Bob Dylan declared from a Tipperary stage last year that I want to say hello to Shane McGowan out there. But here, he's one of our favorite artists, and uh, we hope he makes another record soon. Fairy Tale of New York means a lot to us. We play it every Christmas. So that's uh, what Bob Dylan had to say. As uh, I was gonna do a, like a Bob Dylan accent for a second, I was just uh, I couldn't get it. <laughs> Yet McGowan's inimitable rackety life uh, was rich in drama, event, and contradiction. From Westminster Public Schoolboy to unlikely reality gardening reality television show star. He packed more into his six and a half decades on this earth than most people could have hoped to manage in ten lifetimes. Here are ten of the funniest, saddest, and most McGowan-esque stories that illuminate a life misled on the grandest scale imaginable. Number one, he started drinking early. (laughs) McGowan was born into a middle-class Irish family. His mother, Teresa, uh, was a singer-turned-typist, and his father, Maurice, worked in the administration uh, 
administrative offices of CNA. Maurice was, however, in his own inimitable description, a local roustabout and took his son to the local pub with him from a young age to keep him company while he drank heavily with his fellow boozers. McGowan became one of these drinkers from a youthful age, as he later recalled, I was drinking stout, aged five. Holy fuck. He's drinking like Guinness, age five. Uh, I used to get two bottles, yeah, here it is. I used to get two bottles of Guinness a night. If anyone questioned my family about it, they would say, if you give them enough when they're young, they won't go overboard <laughs> with it later on. <laughs> ah. uh, yeah, that's not how that works. And that clearly did not work for Shane. Let's see here. This did not happen. In part because he progressed his spirits at the age of six. Thanks to his aunt's boyfriend, McGowan said that he bought me a Baby Powers, a bottle with two doubles in it. Jesus. One day in a bar, he said, don't tell anyone about that. I kept it for a while as I thought about drinking it. Then one day I drank it in the middle of the day. I got a ferocious belt off it. I thought, God almighty. I got a rush of it and then walked out into the farmyard and the animals started talking to me. My Uncle John, who was walking past, looked at me drunk and said, What the fuck? I was out of my brain. That was the first time I got drunk on whiskey and there's been a few bottles of whiskey since then. <laughs> Fucking shit, man. That's fucked up. Age five. And then hitting the hard shit the next year. Fuck me. Uh, number two, he was Westminster's unlucky, unlikeliest and shortest-lived scholarship boy. <laughs> Westminster School alma mater of the likes of Nick Clegg, Helena Bonham Carter, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and bizarrely McGowan. After he attended a prep school in Kent, he won a scholarship for the prestigious London Institution thanks to his uh, facility for literature. As he later recalled in an interview with The Guardian, my family were all very literate. My father went to university and is very well read, so I learned to read really young. I was regarded as a gifted child, and I won a scholarship to Westminster School by writing essays. Unfortunately, this time there was uh, to be limited. His time there was to be limited. Uh, he s- summarized his adventures there pithily at Westminster. I started doing pills, acid, going to the pub. I didn't last there very long. I got nicked for smoking a joint and was kicked out. My mother was a bit upset, but my father wasn't. He didn't think uh, I was getting a lot out of school. And I, you know, just trying to do an Irish accent, not really a Shane McGowan accent. As I should probably not go off the accents. Anyway, three, he went completely Lula as a teenager. After McGowan was expelled from Westminster, he found himself miserably adrift in London, a city of which he later said, London is no fun for a kid. To be quite honest, nowadays it's no fun for an adult. It was bloody awful. There was uh, fuck all to do in London. I hated England, and every time I went to stay in England, some disaster happened. My parents were unhappy there. No matter how hard they tried, they couldn't help it rubbing off on me, and I got disturbed. (laughs) I started having reoccurring nightmares and all the rest of it. This eventually led McGowan, suffering from a bout of measles and the trauma of his mother's illness, to go, in his words, completely lula, as he put it. I had a nervous breakdown and ended up in a loony bin for six months when I came out of the madhouse. After turning the tables on the shrink and psychoanalyzing him, I went on a raving bender. (laughs) Uh, Number four, the Sex Pistols blew his mind 
Initially, <laughs> the early years of the Sex Pistols have passed into musical legend. With their legendary gig at Manchester's Free Trade Hall in 76 being famous for having attracted everyone from Morrissey to Mick Hucknall. Yet when McGowan saw them supporting Joe Strummer's pre-clash act, The 101ers, although he was initially equally enamored, their influence did not prove to be as a lasting one. Uh, as he described the experience, that's when I saw God. I saw this little red-haired Patty up there pouring beer over his head and sneering at the audience, shouting insults at him. And then he'd launch into this loud, raucous, rock and rollin' number with foul lyrics. I thought this was the pop band I'd been waiting for all my life. Yet he subsequently decided that punk, the punk scene was great while it was small, and to be quite honest, punk was over for me by the end of the 1977. So then back I went to Ireland with the dye washed out and wearing a suit. Looking all fancy. Like a fancy lad. Number five, he made fairy tale of New York as a bet. Even those who are agnostic towards McGowan's band, The Pogues, celebrate his 1987 single, Fairy Tale of New York, as one of the greatest Christmas songs ever written. If not the best Yuletide number of all time, it would not be remotely surprising if McGowan's death saw it become this year's Christmas number one. Yet it's or origins stem from the band initially being asked to cover the band's Christmas must be tonight by their manager and them dismissing it as awful fuck that we can do our own it was none other than Elvis Costello who had produced their 1985 album Rum, Sodomy and The Lash who bet McGowan that he couldn't write a classic Christmas number that would resonate through the years man the singer, who was himself born on December 25th, collaborated with his bandmate Jim Finer on a song that was inspired in equal parts by Ennio Marconi's wistful score for Sergio Leone's classic Once Upon a Time in America and J.P. Donlevy's novel A Fairy Tale of New York. McGowan had never been to New York at that point, so the song's appropriately fantastical quality owes everything to his imagination and little to reality. It was also, he claimed, autobiographical in its depiction of a battling couple. As he said, I identified with the man because I was a hustler. And I identified with the woman because I was a heavy drinker and a singer. I have been in hospitals on morphine drips and I have been in drunk tanks on Christmas Eve. Nonetheless, McGowan also came to despise his most famous song saying of it, It pisses me off when people talk about it. And I've got a few favorite songs, but it's not one of them. <laughs> uh, I feel like most of this is not funny. I was hoping to find some funny stories. And so far, it's just been kind of pretty dark for the most part here. I was saddened by that. I was hoping for some more uplifting Shane McGowan stories, but I mean, he did have a bit of a downer, I guess, in life in general. But here we go. Six, he left the Pogues in style. The Pogues have been accurately described as one of the drunkest and most rowdy bands in history, but even they were unable to cope with their singer's behavior, which eventually came to a head in 1991. McGowan had, by this stage, frequently not turned up for gigs and was an increasingly belligerent and unstable presence and missed two of the four concerts that the band were booked to play. The reason for his absence was that McGowan, traveling on a bullet train between cities, had been given sake... <laughs> One of the few kinds of alcohol that he was not previously familiar with. 
He took it to uh, he took to it like the proverbial uh, duck to water and drank such a vast quantity that he fell out of the train carriage, knocking himself unconscious in the process. Fuck me. After his bandmates decided enough was enough and gave him his marching orders, McGowan was unfazed. His quoted response was simply, what took you so long? <laughs> he eventually returned to the band in 2001. And they continued to play gigs until 2014 with their joyous Christmas shows, a particular highlight. Uh, number seven here. His teeth deserved their own documentary. <laughs> I think that's fairly true. That seems fairly accurate. When I briefly met McGowan, I was struck by the fact that his mouth seemed to be without its usual complement of teeth and that those that remained looked rather forlorn and far apart. Like tombstones in a bombed graveyard, eventually his much-abused fangs were the subject of their own documentary about their reconstruction. 2015, Shane McGowan, a wreck reborn, working with the dentist Dara Mulrooney, who described his task as the Everest of dentistry, as he noted that there was a whole team required to get to the summit. <laughs> McGowan's existing teeth were removed and replaced by a set of 28 new dentures molded into a titanium frame. Mulrooney was concerned by whether the procedure would affect the singer's inimitable voice, saying Shane recorded most of his great works when he had some teeth to work with. The question on everyone's lips is how it will affect his voice. The tongue is a finely attuned muscle, and it makes precise movements. We've uh, effectively returned his instrument, and that will be an ongoing process. But the procedure went well, said Mulroney. There was uh, a moving moment when someone gave Shane an apple to eat, something he hadn't done in 20 years. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, his teeth were fucking rough. Rough. Like, at an early age. Number eight, he had an unlikely array of famous friends. In addition to the likes of Springsteen, Dylan, and his frequent collaborator Nick Cave, McGowan was beloved by a range of Hellraisers and would-be Hellraisers across the spectrum of film, music, and fashion. Johnny Depp idolized him, playing guitar at his wedding to his long-term partner, Victoria Clark, in 2018. There are moments in life when you know this will happen one time and one time only, when you get the opportunity to spend time with greatness, Depp said of his hero. He was also unique in that he was one of the few people to stay friends with Depp. The actor's former girlfriend, Kate Moss, and her former paramour, Pete Doherty, uh, indicating either a hitherto unguessed at skill for diplomacy or simply that people liked hanging around him. Uh, nonetheless, U2's Bono might have had more than he was bargaining for when he offered McGowan the chance to live in one of the flats that he owned in Dublin rent-free for a period in the late 90s. McGowan delighted in exposing himself to passing travelers. As he said, Bono put a glass roof on... uh, Glass roof and wall. I used to wave my willy. (laughs) He put in a glass roof and wall. Oh, yeah, that's kind of... I used to wave my willy at the train as it passed by and hope they thought it was Bono's. As Clark remarked, was with infinite under understanding, Bono was very patient, and such was McGowan's renown that at his 60th birthday party in Dublin, he was feted by the U2 singer, along with Cave and none other than the president of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, who said McGowan's death that Shane will be remembered as one of music's greatest lyricists. We're almost, almost to the fucking end here. This is a... Yeah, all right. 
There's two more two more stories here. I feel like this is going on a bit long here. Number nine, he was almost a reality star. Almost. That's a shame. Uh, McGowan and Clark were together for decades. The two initially met when she was 16 and he was 24, and she wrote a volume of memoir about their relationship, 2001's A Drink with Shane McGowan, saying of their relationship that it makes the fairy tale, uh, fairy tale of New York couple from Shane's Christmas song seem tame and orderly. <laughs> orderly. Uh, increasingly, she found herself acting as McGowan's spokesperson and sounding board during his media appearances. appearances. I can't speak tonight. Uh, which she handled with good humor and articulacy, uh, and the two of them were often invited together onto uh, television, yet perhaps the strangest show that they appeared on was the 2009 Irish reality program, Shane and Victoria Grow Their Own, in which they tried to grow vegetables in their back garden, aided by their famous friends. Uh, what made the disjointed and uh, anarchic uh, production so insanely watchable was that Clark showed herself to be every bit as eccentric as her then-partner, refusing to read any of the gardening manuals that she had been given for guidance and instead trusting that her belief in angels would somehow provide the basis for potatoes and carrots to be grown. McGowan was not an especially useful presence on screen. One critic remarked that when he laughs, it sounds like a hiss because he has no teeth, which makes him look way older than he is, though admittedly the rotten teeth weren't a good look but also concluded of the show that I suppose I watched gobsmacked and cringed quite a bit, but yes, it was compulsive viewing. So, I mean, that's that's a good reality show. If you, I mean, that's that sounds like the like a reality show. I mean, that's what you need, just people to watch it and feel bad about it, the, the fact that they're watching it. And number 10 here, and a chat show host? In 1995, the art critic and television producer Waldemar... Uh, Jono Sazak was commissioned to make the pilot episode of a show entitled A Drink with Shane McGowan for Channel 4. The idea behind the episode was simple. McGowan would host and interview an eclectic range of guests who would include his friend Johnny Depp, former adult star Tracy Lords, and the novelist Joe Gores. Uh, McGowan and his interviewees would be given free-flowing alcohol, and the result would be Jono Sazak uh, hoped both scabrous and revelatory in the event the combination of McGowan's less than insightful comments he said of the legendary film director Sam Peckinpah simply that he's dead <laughs> and his resentful intoxicated guest meant that the show failed both as entertainment and as a circus level spectacle that's a shame although the Daily Star wrote about the potential for mischief in excitable style Shane goes out of his way to cause an upset Late night TV hasn't seen anything quite like it. The stars are invited to drink as much as they like uh, like it as the conversation flows. We're not sure whether the bad language will be bleeped out, but it's certainly bound to cause raised eyebrow among concerned parents. The results were boring rather than hilarious. Although McGowan's performance of the animals we got to get out of this place was at least energetic. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the pilot was never aired and the series was not brought to fruition. But I can't. I guess apparently you can watch it. On the YouTubes, because it looks like uh, there's a video of that. Not gonna click on it. As oh, it was a, a little rough reading that. I didn't realize the article was gonna be quite that long. I thought we'd have a little bit more fun stories. I mean, there was a little bit of fun in there, but most part, man, it was just like oh, the darkness. He was full. There was some darkness in that Shane McGowan.
A lot of alcohol. A lot of, a lot of craziness. Uh, legend, though. Legend, though. There's some good music to be heard there with the, the Shane McGowan. If you like uh, Irish punk music, man, you know, Pogues. Hell yeah. Oh, but fuck Henry Kissinger. He can go fuck himself. Was, uh, I mean, that uh, another another war criminal that escaped the Hague, basically. He never got to, you know, experience what it would be like to, uh, you know, pay for the crimes that he committed. Anyway, <clears throat> that's, I guess, what happens when, when you're an American that commits war crimes. But, uh, <clears throat> anywho... I had other shit I was going to talk about, and uh, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. I'm blanking, I guess, because I've been trying to, the last few days, lay off the uh, energy drinks. I'm having some stomach issues and stuff, and I'm like, all right, I got to I gotta, I gotta clean up my act. I, uh, like, I'm re- having some real stomach issues, and so I laid off the, uh, laid off the energy drinks, which uh, I'm getting some caffeine withdrawals. A little bit, a little bit of caffeine withdrawals, a little bit of the, of the headache, and uh, you know, trying trying to uh, stay awake without the caffeine. Was, uh, at least uh, on work, I did one day so far at work without the caffeine. Although, well, no, that's not true. I had caffeine. Uh, the protein bars I take I have caffeine. It's not as much as a monster. Usually, I have a monster and a protein bar. We were just doing inventory the other day, so I didn't have to do a lot of physical shit. So I figured that'd be a good day to not take caffeine. And it turned out I didn't really need a lot of caffeine that day. Didn't really need to get jacked up. Uh, but yeah, hopefully uh, eat a little bit healthier too. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> One thing at a time. I just try to, uh, I don't know, next week I'll probably start hitting the energy drinks again. When it comes time to to make money again, I might be like, "All right, let's start pounding monsters." Uh, caffeine withdrawal headaches, man, they suck. And uh, yeah, I've been trying to lay off the Benadryl, which I was taking there like every night too, and then uh, mainly to help with the fact that take took so much caffeine during the day, I needed something to help knock me out. So, also trying to lay off the pills, the the Benadryl and uh, Aleve that work. Uh, you know, it fucks with my back and muscles and all that. And so I uh, regularly take the Aleve and uh, just trying to whew, quit all of that at once is it's a bit rough. Though at the at, you know at a certain point when you're taking that stuff on a regular basis, it's like, is this shit helping me? Is it really open? Is it doing anything for me? I'm not even sure anymore. You take, I think it's open. I guess I'm about to find out. <laughs> I know the caffeine is going to be a bitch. Caffeine withdrawals are, are no joke. I mean, it's. I don't think it's heroin level bad, but if you take a lot of caffeine and then just go zero, get some headaches. It's just, it's not fun. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be all like train spotting here and like see dead, baby, dead babies crawling up walls or shit or anything like that. Although it's been a while since I've <laughs> gone on such a long run of taking caffeine. 
and then completely cut it out. I don't know. And I'm older now. I mean, this, you know, maybe I should Google caffeine withdrawals. Let's, how bad could this get? I mean, it's not like alcohol. I'm not Shane McGowan over here. Um, Let's see here. Withdrawal stories. Here we go. I feel like I'm just going to be reading another long article. <laughs> uh, do, do, do. I just want to know about the... Let's see here. Let's just caffeine withdrawal. I don't need the stories part in there. Let's... uh. <laughs> Let's see here. Healthline. Uh, eight symptoms of caffeine withdrawal. I'm sure I'm going through all of these at this point. <laughs> Number one, headache. Yeah, that's a definite, which I, I'm not one to generally get headaches either. So uh, I don't like it when I get a headache in general. Let's see here. Headaches are, are the most common, are among the most commonly reported symptoms of caffeine withdrawal. Caffeine causes blood vessels in the brain to constrict, which f- slows blood flow. One 2009 study found that just 250 milligrams, less than three cups of coffee, can reduce cerebral blood flow by as much as 27%. It is thought that since caffeine consumption causes blood vessels to narrow, reducing or stopping intake allows blood vessels to open up, increases blood flow uh, to the brain. Uh, This sudden change in blood flow can cause painful withdrawal headaches. That can vary in length and severity as the brain adapts to the increase in blood. Headaches will subside as the brain adapts to the increase in blood flow. However, not all experts agree with this theory, so so more research is needed. Even though caffeine withdrawal can cause headaches, caffeine is used to treat certain types of headaches like migraines. Caffeine helps enhance the power of pain-relieving medications and reduces headache pain when consumed on its own. So here, two is fatigue. Many people depend on a daily cup of caf- uh, coffee to give them an energy boost. Caffeine helps increase alertness and reduce fatigue by blocking receptors for uh, adenosine, a neurotransmitter that can make you feel drowsy. However, eliminating caffeine from your diet can have the opposite effect, causing drowsiness and fatigue. Uh, for example, a 2012 study in 213 hab- habitual caffeine consumers Demonstrated that abstaining from caffeine for 16 hours causes increased feelings of fatigue. You're not kidding. (laughs) What's more, those who consumed uh, caffeine daily had more severe withdrawal symptoms, including fatigue, than those who only consumed it a few times a week. Additionally, its energizing effects only last in your system for about four to six hours, which may lead to you to reach for multiple cups of coffee or energy drinks throughout the day to maintain alertness. This can lead to excessive intake of and dependence on caffeine and make withdrawal symptoms much worse. Uh, let's see here. Then there's uh, number three is anxiety here. Uh, caffeine is a stimulant that can often increase heart rate and blood pressure. And people who are sensitive to caffeine, just one cup of coffee can cause them to feel jittery and anxious. While consuming caffeine can cause feelings of anxiousness, cutting it out can cause the side this side effect as well. Anxiety anxiety is a commonly reported symptom in people who withdraw from regular caffeine consumption. The body can become mentally and physically or uh, dependent on it. 
um, causing feelings of anxiety or physiologically, sorry, uh, physiologically dependent on it. Anyway, plus, if you consume the majority of your caffeine in the form of soda or sugar-sweetened coffee, the sudden reduction in sugar may make caffeine withdrawal-induced anxiety even worse. Animal studies suggest that suddenly removing sugar from the diet after a long period of sugar consumption can cause symptoms of anxiety. And uh, let's see here. Number four is difficulty concentrating. I feel like I've had that just reading this article. (laughs) One of the main reasons that people choose to consume caffeine in the form of coffee, tea, or energy drinks is to boost concentration. And it fucking helps me there. That's no joke there. Caffeinated beverages are commonly consumed before tests, athletic events, or presentations to improve focus. Caffeine increases levels of adrenaline also known as uh, epinephrine, uh, a hormone produced by the adrenal glands as part of the body's normal reaction to stress. It also boosts the activity of the excitatory (laughs) neurotransmitters, dopamine and norepinephrine. This combination of reactions (laughs) raises heart rate and blood pressure and stimulates the brain, causing increased alertness and improved focus. Phasing out caffeine can negatively impact concentration as your body struggles to become accustomed to functioning without it. Summary, caffeine increases concentration by increasing levels of certain neurotransmitters and hormones. Quitting or cutting back can cause you to have difficulty focusing on specific tasks. Joy. Which I feel like I go through this every week, because the weekends I generally don't have it. (laughs) number five a depressed mood caffeine is well known for its ability to elevate mood its ability to block uh, adenosine uh, not only increases alertness but also has been found to improve mood one small study evaluated the short-term effects of coffee around that uh, coffee found that people who consumed caffeinated coffee experienced greater improvements in mood after 30 minutes compared to those who consumed decaffeinated coffee Additionally, many studies have linked regular caffeine consumption to a reduced risk of depression. Well, that's a shame. (laughs) For example, a large review of 12 studies found that people who consumed high amounts of coffee had a 24% lower risk of depression than those who consumed lower amounts. So I guess coffee makes you happy. Some say. According to research from 2008, the stimulant effects... Caffeine can lead to feelings of well-being and increased energy, which go away when caffeine intake ends. For this reason, your mood may take a hit if you decide to quit caffeine. Number six, irritability. It's common for regular coffee drinkers to be cranky before their morning cup of joe. Caffeine in coffee may be the culprit for this feeling of irritability. Because caffeine only lasts in the system for around five hours, withdrawal-like symptoms like irritability can occur after a night's rest. Coffee drinkers are used to the mood and used to the mood enhancing effects of caffeine as well as the shot of energy they receive. For some weaning off caffeinated beverages like coffee causes them to become irritable and moody. In fact, it may be difficult for heavy caffeine users to cut back on the amount they are accustomed to without negatively impacting their mood. In a 2012 study in 94, in 94 caffeine dependent adults, 89% of participants reported that although they desired to cut back on caffeine, 
They have been unsuccessful in their efforts due to withdrawal symptoms, including irritability and anger. <laughs> Tremors. Oh, I haven't had experience this one. I mean, I can get a little irritable. I can get irritable in general. I'm old. Seven is tremors. They're not as common as other symptoms. Those who have a serious dependency on caffeine can experience tremors in cases of caffeine withdrawal. Since caffeine is a central nervous system stimulant, common side effects of drinking too much include feeling jittery or anxious and having shaky hands. In fact, those with anxiety disorders are often advised against consuming caffeine to avoid worsening feelings of anxiousness. However, for people who consume large amounts of caffeine daily, quitting cold turkey can also lead to tremors. Tremors related to caffeine withdrawal typically occur in the hands and should only last for two to, th to nine days. That's a big gap. <laughs> if you are experiencing hand tremors that last longer than nine days, consult a doctor to rule out other causes. And uh, that's pretty much it. Number nine is, or number eight is low energy. Yeah. <laughs> That goes without saying. I don't feel like I need to read that. Uh, basically, say, oh, quit, cut back slowly. I'm, it's, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, maybe I'll, maybe I'll keep the caffeine boost from the uh, protein bars and then just fuck the energy drinks. Um, uh, stay hydrated. Yeah, I mean, I try to stay hydrated anyway. That. Uh, I mean, I know I sleep better when I don't have caffeine. But it's been a long time since uh, the the last year of working at, at Can-Am. I've been just pounding fucking energy drinks, man. And that that's a long time to be drinking, you know, that um, that amount of caffeine on a daily basis. So I, I'm going to be in for a little bit of a rough ride. A little bit of a rough ride. I don't know. Maybe I won't fucking give it up just yet. <laughs> so we, we shall see. I was going to wait till next year to start cutting back on all that shit and try to really turn around my eating and stuff. But, man, the, since Thanksgiving, I've had some really bad stomach issues and stuff. And I was like, I need to cut out all the bad, uh, at least some of the bad shit. I figure cutting out energy drinks is probably a, a number one thing that's, like, worst part of my diet. So that shit will kill you. Hell, it might have killed. Just in a, like after reading that article, I've, my headache has gotten worse. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, uh, yeah. What they say is to to not get the headaches, just drink a fuck ton of water. So I need, uh, I need to get more water in my system. I I was drinking a bottle of water as I was reading this, but son of a bitch. Uh, do a caffeine audit. I do. I drink a whole lot of caffeine. I mean, I can figure out what is there two hundred milligrams or something ridiculous in a monster, and then I have like sixty-five milligrams of it in a protein bar. That's like of the weekdays. That's like way too much caffeine to be consuming on a daily basis. I miss. I miss though when I would wouldn't do it that much, like when I was still at Magnet. I would have days where uh, I, uh, at the time, didn't like working a whole lot of overtime because uh, I wasn't as hard. Uh, I didn't need money as badly as I do now. <clears throat> and uh, if I wanted to get out of overtime, 
And I thought if we could, you know, get done with the the orders that we had, with maybe we could avoid working like a Saturday or whatever. I would just go get a five hour energy, and just like pound it. My coworker at the time, Carol, <laughs> she hated it because, like, I man, I would be just fucking just knocking shit out because we worked on teams in the dental area, putting these little kits together. Like teams of like two to three. Well, usually we had like three on a team. Like we're in an box. Sometimes we'd have four, but we would just be putting together packets for dental office, like with a, a a pouch with the zipper on it that we would stuff printed cards, toothpaste, floss, that kind of sort of thing, and a magnet and stuff. Throw it in a bag, throw, box it, and uh, man, I would I would cut like a good minute or two off building one kit. <laughs> <laughs> Like easily, like if if I wasn't taking caffeine on a regular basis at the time, um, I would just knock that shit out, man. I would do that and just bam. I mean, I I I worked really fast when I was pounding that shit. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't every day, but I was like, you know what? We need to we need to get this shit done. I don't want to work this weekend. <laughs> Let's do a five hour. And I was I was pretty good about not doing it for a long time until I tried that like ye- solid year or whatever where I was trying to learn programming. Then I was just that that was kind of more of the downfall when I started really hitting the caffeine hard again. So I guess it's been several years now where I've been doing a lot of caffeine. Mainly the last year, but like it hit before then because when I I had a hard time programming and I, like it just never was clicking for me. But trying to, you know, work a full-time job, work like 10 hours, and then a job that just really wasn't good for your brain, like just monotonous shit where you're just kind of daydreaming the whole time, wishing you weren't there. And then (laughs) to have to really use your brain after that and, like, focus, (laughs) like, fuck. I'd, you know, I'd start hitting the caffeine, and I would do, like, a fucking smoothie from smoothie king every friday night with uh the pure recharge added to it which is like a lot i'd have the full shot just get fucking wouldn't sleep for a night (laughs) and i'd just like work on programming and uh yeah man i gotta cut the calf the caffeine's becoming a real issue though now it's uh i i go through bouts man i've had there there was quite a few years where i i did little to no caffeine like when I first stopped drinking soda and uh, I, I missed that <laughs> period. Problem is, though, as I'm getting older, I'm just getting more tired. So, I, like, in order for me to keep doing things, I feel like I, I need something to give me that boost, you know. And I'm not going, like, I'm not going to, rock, you know, do a line <laughs> of, of cocaine or uh, rocking any meth- methamphetamines or anything. So I've, uh, you know, I got to do what I got to do. And, uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, not in the cards there the, for the <laughs> illegal substances. So caffeine's really just been the number one thing that I've, uh, gone towards is, uh, <clears throat> oh, the headache's just not going away, not going away a bit of an issue i feel like though if i man if i can really get over like a if we get, deal with like for like 
at least a few weeks get that in like a or at least a solid month like I'll just be feeling a lot better in general and the big thing that I know as like I've continued to run consistently and like if I can get the caffeine out of my system and then just get back and then be a real physical activities like running and shit that uh, that should give me energy just being in better physical shape and then you know maybe put better stuff into my body <laughs> <laughs> that should hopefully help. Hopefully. And, uh, oh, caffeine withdrawal sucks. I'm glad I, I haven't gone to, like, a hardcore drug. I mean, I, I've I've had my time with alcohol, but I was never, like, an everyday drinker or anything like that, thankfully. I was never a Shane McGowan. <laughs> and, uh, but I would imagine, like, oh. I can imagine just how hard it is to quit caffeine that being stuck on some opioid or, uh, you know, whatever fucking highly addictive substance that it's just a real bitch to, you know, get out of that vicious cycle. Is, uh, ugh. Headaches are wonderful. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. I still haven't seen the movie Thanksgiving. I would like to go see that. Unfortunately, uh, I need to really kind of save some money because it's, you know, Christmas time and and all and not getting a whole lot of bonus money at work right now. So uh, I did, however, I did get in my record player stand that I believe I talked. Yeah, I talked about it here on the podcast. I ordered a Black Friday deal uh, record player stand off of Amazon. And... Uh, I've never been real fond of putting that shit together because it always just takes way too fucking long to do. I usually fuck up a couple of times. <laughs> I I had some small fuck-ups on this one. I had to, like... But it's really annoying, like, when you put a couple pieces together, you try to do it just how it's shown, and then I realize, oh, fuck. Like, that's not the right way. I didn't do it right. <laughs> Gotta take these two parts away. I only... Well, it was only really once I fucked up while putting that one together. But it turned out pretty nice. It looks really nice, and it's the LED strip for the uh, where the record you store the records underneath actually looks pretty nice, which I realize like everything now comes with LED strips. I put with anything. Here's a toothbrush. Here's an LED strip. <laughs> Here's a butt plug. Here's an LED strip. You know, you know how it is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got the like I've got the computer desk I got a while ago. I got the LED strips on that too. But, I mean, it's cool to have, like, little lights on there. I was hoping, though, that the LEDs would be, you know, a little bit more advanced. Something I could, like, hook up to where it would actually hear the sound. And the lights would, uh, you know, react to the sound. But, no. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, the, of course, they're not that advanced. It was <laughs> I paid, I think, $80 for the record player stand. I don't remember how much normally it is. I think it's over a hundred, like on one twenty or something, one forty. I don't know, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, it looks pretty nice. And uh, unfortunately, though, that had the on one side there was essentially a drawer. Didn't really pull. I don't know if you want to consider it a drawer, but the table w- opens up and there's uh a drawer-esque thing. It doesn't slide out, but there's a, a 
the table like there's a hinge that the tabletop like opens up and i you know it's supposed to fit like a record player mine technically fits in there unfortunately though the buttons are on the side of my record player <laughs> and you put it inside there and you can't press the buttons to like start and stop it kind of makes it a problem and so uh <laughs> it's like okay that's not really gonna work i mean it barely fits inside there which is a shame because i wanted to just stay in there but i ended up putting like uh, i've got my cleaning kit for records got the brush and the uh like spray and stuff to put in there and uh so <clears throat> so yeah i uh i did <laughs> I was a bit a bit let down from that, but I mean it's it's pretty nice overall. It's, I would say it's a really nice record player stand, and uh, worth the money. Um, like it was like the stuff it's made with wasn't like terribly cheap. It wasn't this obscenely weak ass like particle board and stuff? I mean it's not like fucking solid oak or anything, <laughs> but uh, I mean it's it's well made shit, and. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I'm pretty. I was pretty excited with it, and I did buy go out to uh, River City Music to uh, get a couple of records. And actually, they have my guitar, one of my guitars, the uh, Epiphone Riviera. I've got. They're doing a setup on it right now, um, but uh, <clears throat> I picked up a couple of records there. Found a couple of good, good uh, used records. One that uh, shall not be named because I, I think I'm gonna give that one to my mother. Um, and, uh, I got a, uh, Paul McCartney's first, I believe it was his first album, uh, after he left the Beatles. It's got a bowl full of cherries on it. It's got, uh, maybe I'm amazed on it. And, uh, that was a used one. That was, I, I was pretty excited about that. Um, I haven't listened to that one since I got it. Um, and then I got the Foo Fighters original album. I've been reading, of course, Dave Grohl's book. Was it Storyteller? The Storyteller? Something like that. Dave Grohl's book. This is the only one he's put out, which is very entertaining so far. I've uh, been reading about a chapter a night, and uh, oh, it it's good. It's good, man. He's a good writer. I mean, it shouldn't be shocked, shocking that a guy that's written as many songs as Dave Grohl that he would be a good writer. But uh, but yeah, it's it's an entertaining book. I haven't read like an actual book, physical book, in quite a long time. Usually, if I read stuff, it's strictly off my phone and uh, I usually don't read books it's usually just articles I read um I do like reading books I just never end up fucking reading books uh anyway um yeah so I went because uh, I was you know reading the book I was like I gotta get a Foo Fighters record um unfortunately they didn't really have a whole lot of choice for the Foo Fighters records uh they had like the best of the Foo Fighters I didn't really want that. I was like, I want a Foo Fighters album. I want the whole album experience. And so the only other one they really had was the uh, the OG, the original album put out in 95. Where it's, if I remember correctly, all Dave Grohl on that album, with the exception of there's like a bass line or something and one of the songs that's done by somebody else. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's like 99% Dave Grohl on all the instruments and everything. And uh, <clears throat> it's got that cool ray gun on the front cover. And I got that. Uh, they had a, 
some albums on like clearance and there was a, a white stripes. I was like, well, I should get a white stripes album. They had a, it was a, basically a couple bucks off the white stripes albums, but I got the white blood cells album with like fell in love with a girl. And, uh, I forgot what else is on there. But, uh, it's, I haven't listened to that one yet. I've listened to the Foo Fighters album so far. I feel like there might have been one other one, but I don't. Maybe not. I guess not. <laughs> but I've listened to several records. I haven't listened to records in a while. But I have the record player stand and feel like, oh, man, i got to listen to records now. And i got to tell you what, <laughs> just having that one piece of furniture actually downstairs uh, makes it do- feel a little bit more homely down there. It's like, oh, I do need to somehow... This next year, I really got to make a push to get some actual furniture down there and make it seem like a home. Now that I've been here for uh, you know over two years, next May will be three. <laughs> you know, before I pay off the mortgage, I figure it might feel like a house that somebody's lived in. Maybe we'll see. That, that's a long period of time. As, uh, uh, and that's assuming that I'm alive to be, you know to be there at the end of the mortgage because that's um, like 27 and a half years to go basically <laughs> that's still a minute that's a while that's a long time that's a, you know I don't know that I'll make it that far but knowing that Shane McGowan made it to 65 and that fella lived a rough life I mean there is that is some kind of hope that you know maybe I can push through at least another decade or so. Maybe. We'll see. Let's see what this caffeine <laughs> withdrawal does. Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the record player stand, stand is nice. And it, it, the cool thing about the record player stand is it does kind of put my albums on display. There's a, at the bottom, <clears throat> there's, like, metal... Uh, shelves down below that uh, help divide them and uh, you have the LED light that's on them so you can kind of sp- there's like eight different slots basically with those spacers there the metal spacers shelves whatever you want to fucking call them and uh, <clears throat> the light really shines focus on the, the on the albums until I, you know, get too many that just fills up the whole thing. But it's kind of, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. And uh I'm trying to remember. I mean, I feel like there was other things. That, I mean, of course, every week it's like there's shit I want to talk about. And then it's just like it's not there. It's not there. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm done here. Uh, so, as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.